Welcome to the Mompreneur Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Moran. Just like you, I'm a mom entrepreneur on a mission to live a present and productive life, to be around for all the moments with my kids while also following my dreams and passions. Join me each week as I uncover a new tip or trick that will help you live your life just as you want and with as much ease as possible. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us here at the Mompreneur Guide podcast. I am really honored to do this episode that I'm doing here. It's a special one. It's a little different than my other typical interviews or solo recordings. As you know, I have a family of entrepreneurs, but this is the other side of my family. My sister-in-laws are here with me today. Jillian and Jordan are here. I'm going to go into their bio real quick. Give me a little time to gush about them. And then after that, we're going to go through their timeline. And we're really just going to have a candid conversation between the three of us of mompreneurship and what this life has been like, especially because we have kids all the same age. So Jillian has a daughter who is three days younger than Jack. Then Jordan's daughter is two weeks older than Sophia. And then Jillian's other daughter is six weeks younger than Sophia. It's a lot of fun and we have a lot of similarities here. So I'm going to go under their bio now. Jillian Reese and Jordan Truster are not only twin sisters and the founders of Lovely Loops, but they're also my amazing sister-in-laws. Through beginner guides and a membership filled with online courses, they help people who are craving a creative outlet and relaxing hobby learn calligraphy. They walk their students through mastering the basics, finding their unique style, and creating work that they're proud to share, not to mention the accomplishment their students feel from learning a skill and using it to decorate their house or sharing as gifts. What's inspired me the most about these two amazing mompreneurs is their journey. They've gone from learning the skill at 11 years old to going the other way and excelling in analytical careers, back to rediscovering this passion of theirs, and then diving headfirst into the world of entrepreneurship And once they did that, they soared. They've taught tens of thousands of students from over 149 countries around the world. They've created a highly engaged and supportive community, and they've built a global following of over 150,000 across their online channels. Clearly, I am so proud to call them my family. Plus, it's always fun to bring you behind the scenes so you can hear what a mompreneurship chat is like between us. Although normally we're having these over Voxer while our kids are running around, or with a cocktail in our hands while we're visiting each other. I'm going to stop gushing now. Jillian and Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Let's get started with you two sharing a more in-depth timeline of your path to mompreneurship and how you've built the business you have today. Wow. Thank you so much for that introduction. We're so honored to be here with you on your amazing podcast. So thank you so much for having us. Yes, we have learned so much from you. And I just love the fact that we're family and that we do such similar things. It's so nice to be able to talk to someone who gets it and can totally relate to mompreneurship. So thank you for having us. Of course. Before you guys go into your stories, say who each of you are so people have a sense as you're talking through who's. Yes, I know our voices are pretty similar, but this is Jillian talking. (laughs) This is Jordan speaking. Awesome. Yay. And yeah, having their support has been so helpful. We can just get on Voxer and I'll be like, guys, tell me if I'm crazy. Tell me what you think about this. And so, yeah, I'm very grateful to have family close like that, that just gets it and we can share all the things. So go ahead. Let's hear your story. Share how you got into Lovely Loops. So the very beginning, I guess, would go back to when we were just 11. We took our very first calligraphy class at a summer vacation. And ever since then, we just fell in love. We did it all throughout school. In college, studied very analytical fields and then went on to full-time jobs. 
I studied engineering and Jillian studied uh, marketing and business analytics. Mm -hmm. So during the time of working our full-time jobs after college, we got back into calligraphy as the hobby on the side. Yeah. So I think the main reason for that was because I had gotten engaged and I knew that calligraphy was something really beautiful that we could apply to our own weddings. So I took a calligraphy class and at the time we were living in different cities and yeah, just fell back in love with it. And because we were living in different cities at the time, we would FaceTime each other a lot and show each other what we were learning and figuring out with calligraphy. Because once I got back into it, obviously Jordan did too. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that could connect us while we were living apart. So I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, and Jillian was in Nashville, Tennessee. We would FaceTime with each other and show off like, here, look at this new pen I got. Look at this new technique I learned. So that was really how we started learning was just by teaching each other and teaching each other over video, which comes into play later on. Mm -hmm. So then we started our social media. We got on Instagram. We connected with tons of amazing people in the lettering community. And we started sharing our work on social media. People started asking us, how did you learn that? Can you teach me? We started a YouTube channel. We made some tutorials. And then we also started selling our work on Etsy to some of our friends, family, coworkers. And one of the very first videos that we put on YouTube teaching a style called copper plate calligraphy just took off. We weren't trying to get a bunch of views on YouTube or anything. We didn't even really know that you could make money through YouTube. It was just like people would ask us. That was the easiest to share. But as soon as we noticed it started taking off, we knew that this could be something big and that maybe we were actually pretty good at teaching this. So we decided to teach some in-person calligraphy workshops. So by this point, it's like 2017, about two years after we started relearning it in 2015. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So we made a workbook and set up some workshops in Nashville and Cleveland and Dayton and got some experience teaching workshops, which was a really cool experience because we got to be face-to-face -face with the students that we were teaching and understanding what they were struggling with. And that was extremely helpful in refining our teaching materials yes. and anticipating questions that people would ask. These days, we don't teach any in-person workshops. We do all online courses, but I think starting with teaching in person was extremely helpful. Yes. We got to see real time what our students were doing, what struggles they were having. And that's really how we built our workshops. Every time we did it, I think we did 12 workshops within two months and each one just got better and better. I remember you guys on like a big tour, essentially doing that and going all around. And it was really cool to see real quick jumping in. I am trying to remember the timeline myself. So you both still had your jobs. And then when was that transition of when you stopped? Had it happened yet? Or were you doing the workshops and still doing your jobs? So it was my last day at Kimberly Clark where I worked and Jordan had left her job and we hadn't even taught a single workshop yet. We just had this idea and we were excited about it and we thought we could make it work. So it was my last day when we drove up to Cleveland to oh, get set up for right. our first okay. workshop. So, so that yeah, was like would, 2018 then? That was 2017. May 2017. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like after a year of doing it, then that's when the workshops happened when you dove in headfirst. Yes. <laughs> I kind of remember giving ourselves like, we'll try this out and see if it works for a few months. And if not, we'll just go back and get a different job. We were also both in different transition periods in our life, moving and stuff. So we gave ourselves like, well, let's make it to 
September and see if it works. And then it just kept growing and growing. And we're like, well, we can't stop now. (laughs) Because I remember having a conversation when we were at the wedding in Boston and you hadn't said anything to your dad yet. And I just, I couldn't remember even what year that was anymore. (laughs) Yeah. That was only a month before my last day, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think I gave my notice the same week of that wedding that you're talking about. I can't remember if it was before or after we left. But yeah, I was like nervous to tell. I, I remember <laughs> we were all in an Uber and you're, we were whispering in the backseat like, yeah, yeah, I haven't told him. Then. And I was like, it'll be fine. You got to do it. You got to try it now. Now's the time to try it. <laughs> well, I remember specifically being inspired by you even way before that, just when we were starting it as a hobby to be able to sell because you are in like a market. Oh yeah. Was I doing the flea then? Yeah, I was, I think it was around the holidays and I remember oh. there was open booth and you said, oh, you guys should take the booth and sell your stuff. And before that, I never really considered selling stuff as a business, but you were explaining that you just have to like get set up as a business and all this. It's really easy. You guys should do it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, maybe we can do this. That was probably in, yeah, like 2016 or maybe even 2015. I don't remember. Yeah. It all kind of blurs together, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. You did the YouTube, you went into the workshops and then what happened next? So then we had people that had already been following us on social media. They saw us doing these workshops in Ohio and Tennessee, and we got people kind of jokingly, but seriously asking, can you come to Texas or California or England? (laughs) And (laughs) so we couldn't really make that work, but we decided that we could put it online and turn our in-person workshop into an online course. So actually the first step, do you remember, was turning our in-person workshop into getting our workbook available. Like we actually, Uh, at this point, we we didn't even know about online courses really yet. I mean, like we knew the idea of it, but the first step was we realized that on Etsy, you could sell digital downloads, which basically means you upload the PDF once and people can buy it and download it. And you don't have to ship any orders because we actually remember we did start with shipping. We did did start with shipping physical workbooks. I kind of forgot about that until just now. Right. I bought that binder from you guys. When I was doing the style profiles, I bought the, that binding machine from you guys. Uh, Oh my gosh. I totally forgot about that. Okay. So then you went from the in-person, then you had the physical workbooks that you were selling and shipping. And then you realized, Oh, we can make this a digital version. And so you went on Etsy Mm -hmm. and then what's next? And then we also tried selling lots of other random calligraphy products, some wedding stuff, some custom stuff. Okay. So then how did we get into making an online course? (laughs) I randomly found a Facebook group that was called online business BFFs, which Melissa Griffin is the person who created it. And she was doing a free five-day challenge. And I was like, well, why not? Mm -hmm. I should probably start learning more about this (laughs) owning your own business kind of thing. And so she basically after this five-day free thing, gave us the opportunity to buy her online course about how to make online courses. And so that's really where, yeah, very meta. (laughs) That's And it worked so well the way that she positioned it of like, okay, I'm going to teach you these free things. And if you're learning a lot and if you're the right person for this, then buying this course is the next natural step. And it changed our entire business and our lives by being able to make online courses. So yeah, I took the course in August and then we had our first online course <laughs> the day after I got back from my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it being that close. 
<laughs> yeah, because I got married September and oh. then we went on a week long honeymoon and then got back. And the whole time that I'm gone, Jillian is texting me these ideas. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> trying not to like <laughs> uh, think about business. <laughs> and then the day after we got back, yeah, so we started working on an online course. And it's funny because we originally thought it was going to be a course about wedding calligraphy because we did our wedding calligraphy. We do have that course, but we ended up focusing on something else. It's called brush lettering. So we did a five-day free challenge that turned into a 10-day free challenge. And then at the end of that, we were so nervous, but we had this whole new online course ready to go. And so to the people who participated in our challenge, we just presented them with this online course and a sale came in and we were like, oh my gosh, someone bought this. And then we looked at the details and it was mom. (laughs) It's true that you do a happy dance when you're an entrepreneur and you see sales come in. That's real life. Yeah. Yeah. I remember anytime when we started our Etsy shop, the first few sales that were people that we didn't personally know, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh my gosh, someone bought this. Yeah. (laughs) It's exciting. I mean, it's still exciting when people I know. Yeah. It's like, wow, I'm making something that is worthy of someone else wanting it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's always so interesting. And it feels good when there's that connection of, I have something that I can offer you and you are actually looking for the help and here we go. We can help each other. That's, that's exciting. So wait, when it came to coming up with the idea for that first course, your story so far has been, you had a passion for something. And so you just started to do it and you happened to document it. And then people started to take notice and then they wanted to learn for you. It was a very genuine and authentic, natural progression. Then you put stuff on YouTube so people could better understand it. And it seems like a lot of it was people telling you what they wanted. So when it came to the time that you launched this online course, were the people in your social media sphere and like your YouTube people, or was it more of your workshop people? Did they influence what you started? Or did you, do you remember, did you just say like, well, we like brush lettering and we see a hole in the market. So let's try that. So brush lettering was what we actually taught our in-person workshop students. So that made it really easy for us to create a course about it because we had just spent all summer teaching Mm -hmm. people how to do this. So it was fresh in our minds of what questions people were going to ask. So that's how we were able to make a really detailed course about it. And we actually, we created a Facebook group Mm -hmm. to keep in contact with the people that we met in our in-person workshops. So originally we thought it was going to just be people from our workshops could join this group, stay in contact, but people outside of that started joining and it started growing and people from our Instagram joined the Facebook group and it just started getting bigger and bigger. And that's where we hosted our free challenge. Mm-hmm. So basically the course was a really, really in-depth version of the workshop. So like mm-hmm. our workshops were maybe an hour and a half, two hours long, and you can only cover so much in that amount of time mm-hmm. with that many people. So we basically took the workbook and said, okay, if we really wanted to teach this and teach it well, how would we do it? And so it ended up being, I think five or six hours of pre-recorded video lessons with downloadable worksheets. And that's what the online course became. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and since then we've created many, many online courses that have kind of followed that progression of, mm-hmm. okay, so someone took our first course, then they're asking mm-hmm. us, can you teach me this next thing? And so for the next what year and a half, mm-hmm. all we did was continue to make new online courses of things that we learned, things that we practiced that people wanted to learn. So after you learn brush lettering, you might want to learn this next technique or this next style. So we did definitely listen to our students because they told us, Hey, I want to learn this. And we're like, okay, we'll We'll go figure out how to do that. Like Jordan spent 
hours just looking at flourishing and figuring out the math behind it Mm -hmm. and coming up with how she thinks about it and then translating that to explaining it to someone else and coming up with exercises for other people to do and by hours I think you mean like years yeah Well, yeah, touching on that. So you went from being young and just doing creative stuff. And then you went the analytical path with what you studied at Miami and your careers after that. And then you were craving to go more creative, but do you feel like now you kind of merge? Maybe there's a little bit more creative, but do you feel like you've brought that analytical side or do you miss the analytical side? Yes, we have absolutely brought the analytical side. I think we consider ourselves to be creative, but not like the super intuitive, like creative artistic. Yeah. We are very logical. And so the people that want to be creative without feeling like they are creative Mm -hmm. are the people that really resonate with us. And I think that's because of our backgrounds and our analytical things that we studied. And so I think we did really miss that. And I love spreadsheets (laughs) and doing stuff in Excel. And so I put together all of our like financial tracking spreadsheets. And anytime we do anything with numbers, I just love a good spreadsheet. So that's something (laughs) that I definitely missed. And I actually really enjoyed about my previous job, but I still get to do it. Yeah. And even some of our courses, you made spreadsheets to ex- explain <laughs> oh, concepts yeah. about calligraphy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I love hearing, and we still have more of the story to get to, but I love hearing the path and seeing all the little dots connect and all the little breadcrumbs that are spread. And not only do we have more to hear in your story, but then you still have so much in your journey that you're going to do and all of that. But it's really cool to see that transition and your life's purpose coming to the front without you realizing it, it just all falls into place. Okay. So you did your first course and you've done more since tell us more about that transition. Yes. So let's see what timeline are we at? So I think it was like pretty much all of 2018. We just spent the entire year creating new courses. Mm -hmm. We also during that time would be doing live six weeks of coaching. So someone would sign up for the course and they would get six weeks in one of our Facebook groups. And then at the end of 2018, right? Yeah. 2018, I found out I was pregnant Mm -hmm. and that I was going to be having a baby in May of 2019. So we knew that our lives were going to change a bit because we weren't going to have nearly as much time with the business. So at this point, we realized that we needed to start getting things on evergreen so that people could still find us and still sign up for our courses, which ended up being a good thing anyway, not just for our time, but also for our students. Because in the past, if they heard about us right after we finished teaching about brush lettering, then they would have to wait a year until we were teaching it again in a six-week program. So it was kind of a good thing that we decided to put things more um, available, which makes sense anyway for our business. Let's talk about that real quick. So typically the flow that everybody talks about is you've got to test it, you've got to refine it, and then you go into evergreen. You definitely tested a lot with your social media channels and building a community and then giving them something to purchase and then making it easier for them to get it. Do you feel like that was a timeline for you guys? Yeah, definitely. But it, it probably took at least a year and a half before we started doing these evergreen courses. Mm -hmm. And real quick too, let's talk about your audience growth. Cause I feel like that probably goes hand in hand as the business has grown. So Mm -hmm. you had a smaller following when you were just doing your own thing and happened to document your process. And then can you walk through as you did the workshops, did that increase your growth? And then when did that ball kind of roll? Yeah. So 
we always in the beginning, especially would try to be very helpful in Facebook groups and on Instagram. People were asking questions that we knew the answer to. We would always try to help. And I think people noticed and started following us. And then we did make a couple of key connections by doing that, not even seeking out these people, but someone asked a question once in a Facebook group. I helped her. I offered, if you want, I can FaceTime you to show you what I mean. We ended up talking and she was the account creator of this huge Instagram account that over hundred thousand people were following. Mm -hmm. And through that connection ended up featuring us. So that got us a lot of growth. So a lot of it was through natural collaborations like that. We would make a connection with someone and do it that way. Yeah. I think in the very, very beginning, we were just posting like, Hey, look at my cool work. But I think we found the most growth when we started turning to the teaching and helping Mm -hmm. other people is when we saw it start to skyrocket. Mm Yeah. And when you were going in and helping, you weren't trying to throw a freebie in there or say, come join my group or whatever. It was just a very authentic, hey, I'm happy to help you if you need help with it. Yeah. Yeah. And at that time when we were starting out, we didn't even really know about getting people freebie links to get them on your list. I think in that time frame, though, it was a lot easier to grow on social media than it is now. Like, yeah, I think the timing was very lucky of when we got on Instagram, because if you are not familiar with calligraphy, you're probably like, wow, that's very niche. There's probably not a lot of people doing calligraphy, but there's a lot these days. Oh, yeah. 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 But the timing of when we started, it was like not as prevalent. And then also at the time, not as many people were actually teaching it. Like now Mm -hmm. lots of people are teaching it at the time when we started, more people were just doing it. And there were people that were creating amazing work that still do. We just started by actually teaching what we knew. Right. I gotcha. So for growing your audience, you were really helpful first. And then that allowed you to make genuine connections. It wasn't going in with an agenda to be like, Hey, I'm going to help you. And then hopefully if I help you, then down the road, you're going to end up being a client of mine. No, you were going in with the passion in mind, not the business and making money in mind, which I think is helpful. And also correct me if I'm wrong. Would you say consistency also helped you along the way? Yeah, we were, especially on Instagram and YouTube, we would try to post very consistently. Mm -hmm. We would do series where we would choose like a topic for a month and every day post something different about that topic, which was helpful and do live videos in our Facebook group. I think at one point we were doing them twice a week, Yeah, (laughs) which it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. And especially when you're doing that stuff just to help other people and you're not actually selling something that can sometimes be hard as a business owner, justify doing that. But then people learn who you are. They learn to trust you. They learn that you're good at teaching them what they want to learn. So it just ends up being worth the time for everyone. I feel like you guys are a great testament to doing it for the right reasons. I think a lot of what gets talked about now is charge right away, charge right away. And yes, you can charge right away for certain things, but I think there's also something to be said in cultivating and taking the time to be genuine and share what you know, and just genuinely want to help people. Cause at the end of the day, our businesses should really be something that we want to do, whether we get paid or not, but it would be nice if that was the thing that we got paid for so that it could fuel the rest of our lives. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you were doing your courses. You were pregnant with Caroline. You were putting stuff on evergreen. Walk us through getting us to where we are today. Oh my gosh. It feels like a lifetime, (laughs) but I know, right. Like what did we do before we had kids? How did we had so much time time. (laughs) post every day on Instagram? I know, right. I sit and think about 
what I did in the office before Jack was around. I would sit in my office from like eight in the morning until at least 6.30 at night. What in the world did I do that whole time now? <laughs> maybe I get four or five hour times, maybe three times a week. You're just much more efficient as a mom because you have to be, yeah. which is good because it's more high impact activities than scrolling on Facebook for an hour. But yeah, <laughs> I totally feel you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what I remember is that Caroline was born and we wanted to make sure that Jillian had a real maternity leave and it would be impossible for her to get right back into it. Luckily, there's two of us. We are so lucky that we have each other as business partners because we are able to cover for each other when mm -hmm. one of us has a kid or anything else is going on. Right. So I think during that time frame, I took over mm -hmm. and created a new course about pointed pen calligraphy, which is something that Jillian didn't really do. So I was doing some live workshops and just did the daily things that we would normally do together. Yeah. yeah and we live in the same neighborhood. We live like two minute walk away from each other. And so Jordan would come over with her lunch and she would play with Caroline while I would get some stuff done. Or during Caroline's nap time, we would both be working on stuff or I would take a nap. <laughs> so during that time, we were both able to, to still work like a pretty decent amount because there were two of us and one baby. <laughs> now there's two of us and three children. <laughs> it's a little bit more chaotic now. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that just came up. If you don't know by now, I'm all about strategy, support, and self-care and how that is so helpful and has changed my life and allowing me to mompreneur with some more ease. And something that you touched on a little bit earlier and then very much so now is support. You mentioned you ended up getting a coach and you also have the support of each other. Can you share a little bit more about you having support of each other, any other support that you've had or how support has helped you in your journey, especially now that we're getting into the mom part of mompreneuring with your story? Yeah. Support has been so necessary. Well, I would say having each other has been so important just because we're twins. So we, by nature, have a lot in common, <laughs> but just to have a business partner who you can have honest conversations with about what's working, what's not working, bounce ideas off of for the business, but then also understand when one of us can't work during the day because of the baby or whatever. Mm -hmm. We're pretty much always have a constant stream of conversation going on over text or Slack or Boxer. Yes. We're pretty much always in communication, coming up with ideas, talking about things that need to be done, sharing our screen as we're working. Yeah. I feel like it would be very different for those mompreneurs that are running a business as a solopreneur. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also have very, very supportive husbands, mm -hmm. which I don't know how we could do this without their we support. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember Jake, my husband, he's been incredibly supportive said, okay, you need to leave your job because if you don't, you're not going to do this. And I believe in you and you can do this. Yeah. And Nick has just been in the times that I've doubted myself. And there's been many times over the years that it's like, should we just quit? He just makes me realize how far we've come, how big of an impact we've made on people already and how much potential we still have and not to give up even in the times that it's hard. Yeah. Jordan and I had this conversation um, a bit of this last weekend because she came up to visit us. Like Colin, he does the same thing for me, especially with doing this transition of doing something that I did for 10 years that was working fine. I could have kept doing that. I just wasn't really into it. And then moving into this and trying to 
figure out first off, what in the world do I even want to do with my life? And then finally figuring out this point of where I'm at now, but it's always him saying, we're good. It's okay. You need to focus on doing what you enjoy and don't try to focus on making money or anything like that. It's kind of forcing me to do what you guys did of just like follow your passion, follow what you would do if you couldn't get paid for it. And the rest of it's going to fall into place. And so I so agree that having your spouse on board is crucial, whether they get it or not, like whether it's just a cheerleader or you're lucky enough that your spouse really gets it. I just think it's so crucial to make it a little easier on us than Mm -hmm. if somebody didn't get it. And we're like, no, why are you doing that? Or or putting extra pressure? Because we're all overachiever, high achievers. So we already put enough pressure on ourselves. (laughs) We need somebody to help take some of that weight off. Okay. So we've gotten to the point of Caroline's born. You guys are now into the fall. You're doing some more courses. And so now we're almost into 2019. No, 2020, right? Jordan, do you know that you're pregnant yet is where I'm getting at the timeline. Yeah. So it was like towards the beginning of 2020. I think it was like end of February when I told you guys that we were pregnant. Uh And then we shortly after that found out that (laughs) we were both pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) For everybody listening. So Jordan was due in October and then I was due middle of November and then Jillian was due middle of December. So we all found out right at the same time, boom, 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 that we were all having kids again. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So So that really forced us to look at our business and be like, okay, we do a lot and we're really good at figuring things out. And we kind of wear all the hats like you have to when you're starting out, but we really tried to start investing in software and in people that we were hiring to help us get stuff done that we simply didn't have time for because we knew that things were about to get crazy with two more babies coming. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely the support of hiring contractors or freelancer type people. Mm -hmm. We also hired a few of our former students that have grown to know our business and know us. And we have given them opportunities to help us, which has been a huge Mm win-win. So yeah, figuring out what is it that we needed to do and what is it that needs to be done but doesn't need to be done by us yeah it's like the zone of genius conversation which i mentioned in episode two which is Mm -hmm. the books that have changed my life but yeah i definitely think it's amazing you guys have figured out what is that for you guys and then you can outsource the rest it definitely helps in the mompreneur journey yes definitely okay so then you started to outsource more you got a team you got some more software and then what happens next yeah so then our big thing was we were going to start a membership because we have all of these different online courses and it was getting to be a lot for people who wanted to learn everything. We would always get emails of what order should I take things in or can I get feedback from you? So we decided to start a membership. Well, something else that led to that was we wanted to check in with all of our students, people that had taken our courses, people that had not taken our courses and just see, okay, we've been creating this stuff for you guys for the past couple of years. What are we missing or what could we do to make it better? Or what would make you want to sign up for this Mm -hmm. and really get to know our students and what they want. And so this kind of led to the idea of making our membership. And we were super excited to launch this. We did this towards the beginning of October. My baby Leah was born at the end of October. So it was like right before I went on maternity leave, we were able to, yeah. Yeah. You guys always do stuff like right as big life events are happening. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think for both of us, we just like, okay, we need to like accomplish one more thing because we know how busy we're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that final sprint or push to get stuff done. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then you get something out right before Leah's born. And then I can't remember. Yeah. I feel like Jillian was still doing stuff when you started your maternity leave. Were yeah. You so- coaching people or something. And then you swapped once Natalie was born. 
Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So some of the feedback we got from our research was that people wanted things in one place. They wanted us to tell them what order to take it in. So we, we launched Lovely University, which is our membership for our calligraphy courses beginning of October, which also includes our community mm-hmm. where our students get feedback from us and we have calls with them. So while I was out the first, let's say two months, realistically, I started working again after like a week. <laughs> but- <laughs> Jillian pretty much took over and did everything. So kind of like when Caroline was born, I took over. When Leah was born, Jillian took over and she took care of keeping up with our students, giving them feedback on their work and stuff. And then December, Natalie was born. And then I took back over for a little bit. Awesome. Okay. So now we're December of 20. We're getting into January of 21. So bring us up to speed. What has been going on this year now that you've got three over in your side of the world, all that you're trying to juggle with the business. How has your time been remanaged? Have you added in more support? What does the journey look like to this point? Yes. So February, when I was kind of coming back into the workforce, (laughs) we hired a marketing strategist that we started working with just to get our sales process more refined for Lovely University because we launched it in October and it was like this big, exciting thing for our community. A lot of people joined, but then we didn't really have any way to get people hearing about it. And so that's what our next big project was, was hiring this agency to set that stuff up for us, which has been really nice to have that little team working on things for us because it takes a lot off of our plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now it's just all about essentially trying to put gasoline on the fire. Like you've got LU, that's the university. You have a team that's helping you get stuff done. You have less time. And so it's really just putting your focus into that one thing that's working for you as of now, and then still listening to what your people have to say to continue to grow. I've made this timeline for you guys. And I wanted to just recap all of this amazingness that you've shared because we hit the strategy, we hit the support, we'll hit the self-care and the rapid fire, but really your journey is like textbook. It's like what people describe you should do. And I know it's a little different because your journey started prior to kids, but I think within reason and with some patience, we should all try to model this too. So I'm going to walk through the timeline and how their progression to being this amazing company has gone. So first you started with a passion and you were really interested in what you were doing, whether people paid you or not. Then you started documenting what you were doing. From there, you started to listen to what people were saying and helping. Then you actually created based on what they wanted. Then once that was going well, you turned it evergreen. You added in team and now you're just focusing on marketing it. It's textbook, guys. It's textbook (laughs) and I know you didn't mean to do it that way. And I know there's bumps along the road and we all have ebbs and flows, but this is one of the many reasons I wanted to have you guys on because your journey is just so inspirational. Well, you have such a gift, just like based on our Voxer conversations and this of taking all of the things that we say and like making it make sense in a way that I didn't even realize. Yeah. And also looking back, like you said, we didn't mean for it to turn out this way. You don't realize until you do look back and evaluate this whole journey. Like, oh, maybe that wasn't just luck. We did this with strategy. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what I talk about in the mompreneur with ease method which I'm finding everybody that I surround myself with just naturally is like that, which is the strategic mindset. So you Mm -hmm. might not think you're going into stuff with strategy, but probably because I'm not as analytical as you guys or as Colin is, but I've got like some analytics to me. And I think that helps us think differently. We can balance both the creative and the analytical. And I think you guys have done that 
pretty flawlessly. And I don't think you give yourself enough credit, but I'm glad that we can highlight it here. That's like the interview with your mom. She kept saying, oh yeah, I, I don't have strategy. And then she's like explaining all these super strategic things. That she <laughs> no, I was like, mom, you have a strategic mindset. You might not realize it, but like, clearly you've got it going on. And that's totally what you guys have too. All right. So you ready for the rapid fire questions? Yes. <laughs> all right. What is your favorite strategy to help you be more present and productive? Jordan, do you want to start? Sure. So something we both started implementing recently that has been really helpful for me is doing one thing or having one to-do list item per day instead of a huge list. Cause then I feel productive if I get it done and then I have more time to be present and not worrying like I have to be doing more. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mine is very similar, except that I will also add to it. I got a physical planner because lately we've been doing so much online, trying to find like the perfect system to organize our tasks. And it just mm-hmm. I don't know. It just stresses me out when I can see all that. So I take my planner, I write down the one thing I'm going to do. And that just helps so much with staying productive. Cause I'm not worrying about everything. Just the one thing. Yeah. It helps you like clear your mind. I've noticed myself doing more paper stuff than digital stuff. I know I've told you guys, I'm trying to get off social media. I took it all off my phone only to get it on the computer. I think we've just as mompreneurs, you have so much going on and it's like the less things we can get bombarded with the better. So I love that. Tell me what is the number one essential support you have that you can't live without Jillian? Do you want to start with this one? I would say Jake, my husband is the number one support because like you were saying about Colin, he's just so interested in things. Like I remember he always used to review our sales emails and give me (laughs) suggestions and he's on our email list. And so he'll mention something that we said in the newsletter Mm -hmm. and always make sure that I have the time if I need to work on something and Mm -hmm. just the support, like after we do a live webinar, he'll always get me a bowl of ice cream after (laughs) or a glass of wine, depending on how it went and (laughs) ask me about it or just not talk to me about it. (laughs) If if I'm like, no, (laughs) but yeah, definitely Jake. Jordan. For me, of course, Nick, but I do have to give a shout out, especially during this season of life to my mother-in-law, Karen, Mm -hmm. and also my sister-in-law, Caitlin. They have been super amazing in coming and helping to take care of Leah Mm -hmm. during the day, a couple days a week so that I can get some work done. They also sometimes watch Natalie. And so they have been amazing and so supportive and really helpful for us to be able to continue working on our business. That's so awesome. It's so nice when you can have that structured work time instead of trying to balance the two. So it's so nice that you have that. Let's go into what is your go-to self-care routine? Let's not say calligraphy is an option though. You have to choose something else. Uh, Jordan, why don't you start with that one? I was going to say, like, I used to do calligraphy as a hobby, but now because it's so tied to work, it's hard to separate it. (laughs) So this is something that I learned from you is Mm -hmm. to have designated me time Mm -hmm. for myself and then for Nick. Mm -hmm. So after Leah goes to bed, we alternate nights of who can go do something or go out. And so I usually like to just go on a walk. I know Mm -hmm. that sounds like such a simple thing, but Mm -hmm. I consider that to be a self-care thing. And then also on the weekends, we try to alternate letting each other sleep in a little bit, which is big for me just because I would rather stay up late and wake up late than wake up early. (laughs) And so that's been a big part of my 
self-care mm-hmm. and I'm the opposite, which leads into my self-care. I'm very much a morning person. I'd much rather get up early. And so I love to just have coffee on the front porch and sit there and water my ferns and water <laughs> my flowers and enjoy the morning and look at the sunrise. Well, usually it's not sunrise, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that's the biggest difference between us. Okay. <laughs> I am definitely a night person. You are definitely a morning person. Yes. Well, I think that that is also a testament to like, again, what I talk about in the mompreneur with these method, which is at the end of the day, it's just all figuring out what works for you. And what more of a better example can you have than two twins who are very linked and realizing right now that their me time and their timing and everything like that is different. That's a perfect example of we are all very different and that's cool. You just have to figure out what works for you and what fills your cup back up and lights you up and all the things. All right. Last but not least, we'll start with you, Jillian. Tell me your most stereotypical mompreneur moment. Think kids running through a Zoom call with underwear on their heads. Tell me your funniest story. I feel like this happens so often. I'm trying to think of a specific time. So whenever we have a meeting with someone or a live workshop, I'm always like, okay, I need to work backwards the entire day to make sure that she's going to go down for a nap with enough time for me to get ready. And so it always ends up being like five seconds before I need to log in the Zoom call. I'm putting her down or don't have makeup on or whatever. Yeah. And there was one time we were getting set up for a live, I think it was a webinar and we were like testing the microphone and I was trying to put on lipstick. Yeah. (laughs) And we were testing the audio and the microphone was giving us weird feedback. And we were like, this can't happen. (laughs) It was just chaos. And then we were like three, two, one, and we had to start and we were both just trying not to laugh. And it was because we were trying to get the kids down. Then it was like chaos right before we had to start. And it was very hard to get ourselves together. Yeah. It reminds me of two things. One, I often call us a tornado because we'll go to my mom's house. We're going to my dad's house or we'll come in and I'll let them know beforehand. Okay. We have to be back for dinner. And then of course that's the one day that Sophia didn't nap as late as she was going to. So now she's got to get down to bed early. And lately she is like a football player. We have to feed her at like 445 now. And she eats more than I eat for dinner. So we <laughs> I'm in like a tornado and we're like, Hey, good to see you. Got to feed the kids. Okay. Bye. We got to go. And then we leave. And I feel so bad. I'm like, I'm sorry, but this is just where we're at in life right now. It's like pig pen when he's walking and he's got all the chaos around him. That's what our life is like all the time. (laughs) All right, Jordan, what's your stereotypical mompreneur moment? So now Leah can crawl. And so I try to put her down while I'm on a zoom call. And a few days ago we were on a call and she was just making a lot of noise and I kept trying to mute my microphone, but then I ended up just holding her <laughs> at the end of the call. I was like, Leah, do you want to say bye to everyone? <laughs> she did. And she was holding a burp cloth and she was waving it around <laughs> as if she was saying bye to everyone. And it was just so cute. And it was so funny. Was this like a strategy call with the strategy people or was this yeah. a teaching call? No, this was a strategy call. You're like, hey, sorry, this is why we're paying you to be part of the team because we need help. Yes. Yeah. When we were talking to them before we hired them, we were like, okay, you need to understand that you're going to have to be flexible with us and the kids because we don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. It's a total toss up. You never know. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. This was amazing. I love that we went through your timeline, especially because it just all kind of runs together and I forgot about how the whole journey happened. So this was such a treat. I so appreciate it. For everybody listening who wants to learn more about Jillian and Jordan, wants to take up calligraphy or check out and see what it is, you're going to want to go to lovelyloops.com. Everything will be linked in the show notes. Ladies, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thank Thank you you so much. much. 
<laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Want more? Head to themompreneurguy.com to grab my personal framework for living a present and productive life and to hear my real-time ahas on Telegram. See you next time.